We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. Neil in the Clark Ford studio. More on them in a second. We are uh, doing a, uh, a not a stream, we're doing a remote show today. Neil's still under the weather, but... Trying to play hurt, getting through it here this morning. Probably a little sh- shorter show than usual, but uh, here with you to finish up the week. Also, preview some SEC basketball that begins on Saturday. The Rebels are in Knoxville, so we'll go over that and much more. But first, the Oxford Exxon Highway Six West in Oxford. Been telling you about the Beer Cave. Head on in. You got the national championship game on Monday. You got a full slate of NFL games. You also uh, again have a lot of college basketball going as well. So stop in the Beer Cave. That was available up and down I-55 throughout North Mississippi as well. I saw on uh, social media this week, their huge uh, superstore in Macomb coming along nicely. Also there for Blue Sky, lunch specials, 569, couple sides, bread, any size fountain drink for that. And uh, the Clark Ford Studio, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. It's on Highway 25 South. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy. He will help you out no matter where you are in the car buying process. Give him a call. He'll move you along and probably find the best deal as well. So that's Clark Ford and Amory, and then all guests appear on the Campbell Clinic hotline. They do indeed. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides a full-service orthopedic care, uh, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery, spine and uh, joint care to much, much more. Go to CampbellClinicOxford.com for an appointment, 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome there, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Do you have a uh, a bit of a false positive? Feel like you seemed like yesterday when I talked to you, you yeah. felt better, and then it kind of went down again. Yeah, I have thoroughly had my ass kicked. Um, I surrender. <laughs> um, I would tap out if I possibly could. I had a couple of hours yesterday where I thought, I'm 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 through. I'm over. I'm I'm good. Tomorrow's going to be a good day. And then I went to bed early last night. I was Carson went to the Grizzlies game with some buddies of his, and so I was watching his progress and so making sure he was kind of <laughs> excuse me got out of Oxford, got out of Memphis. Okay, and I went to bed. 
the nighttime was not the right time. It was the flu was like, hey, hey, champ, we're not done yet. And um, got a little more. It, kicking. it won. Yeah, it, it 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 was not content with just a TKO. It wanted to finish me. You're probably on the final really, really bad day, it seems like. so. You're, you... I, I think so. I've done some research on it. It sounds like it's a three-day deal, and if that's the case, I've had two really bad days. Um, nobody wants to hear all this, but yeah, yeah, you and I talked on New Year's Eve on my way back from Atlanta, and I felt perfectly fine. I mean, thank goodness this happened this week and not last week because I don't think I would have been able to work. I mean, I don't really, as bad as I have felt, you know, you've known me a long time. I'm Yeah. I'm the one thing I will give myself is I'm I'm pretty tough when it comes to stuff like this. Um but New Year's Eve I got home and we took our Christmas stuff down. And Laura went to bed early. She had some allergy stuff that kicked in from being up in the attic and all that stuff. And that evening, right before I got in the bed, I felt that little tickle thing in your throat where you're like, ah, damn it, about to get sick. And didn't feel good on New Year's Day. You and I did a show on that morning of the second. And by the time we finished the show, I was declining rapidly. And the rest of that day was horrific. That night was the worst I have ever felt. I, I think that's the worst I've felt since elementary school. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I really don't recall ever feeling that bad. And I've heard from so many different people. I won't name names because I don't know. I don't want to invade their privacy. But people who were also in Atlanta. And they all kind of had the same general thing. So it must have been something that was going around there and it just got spread in the hotels and all that stuff. And, and, um, you know, that happened in New Orleans too after the Sugar Bowl in 21. Yeah. It seems like everybody came back sick after that. Um, so it's actually a pretty, pretty similar occurrence, except locally in Oxford, everything had been hitting the week before the Peach Bowl. Cause I mean, I had multiple members of my family, people I know, they were, they were all succumbing to strep and flu during the, during the course of that week. Well, I'm certainly no doctor, but it sounds like that's what happened is that there was a lot of that in Oxford. And they took I it didn't know them. it. Yeah, like Carson got sick last week. So I guess I had been exposed to him, but I left the morning after Christmas. So, I mean, it would have been, but I'm, I guess we all take our individual germs and pour them into the big pot of stew in, in places like Atlanta when you're in these big high rise yeah. hotels or whatnot. And yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm better. You and I both are weird when we have sleep score rings and watches and stuff. My my readiness score on Wara the other day was like 28. And it's normally people like I have no reference. It's usually in the 80s, sometimes the 90s. I'm, I'm usually in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm pretty so good. So it's like, it. yeah, no, today you're out. Stop. Like, let's... Yeah, it was like, it was like, do not exercise today. I have a problem with mine is I want to listen to it probably too much to the point that I worry it placebos me in a negative way where if it's bad, I have decided I am bad that day. Like it is, it is, it is, it is not something that I just go, you know what, forget that. We're just going to ignore it. And we're going to move on with our day to day. And I, I don't know, sometimes how you feel and what that thing says is is a little different. I agree with that. It, it, the only thing I will say, obviously, we're on the same page here, is when it throws you a score in the 20s, you're like, oh. Yeah, and then, and then it's, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. it's like, whoa, I'm getting sick, or I am sick, or whatever. And It was like, hey, you you want to go to rest mode? And I was like, yeah, probably so. <laughs> it, it was like, hey, champ, there's no point in being a hero today. Well, it's like I switched. I've switched just the, to the Garmin now. I don't wear the Whoop anymore. I just use the Garmin for everything. 
And the whoop used to absolutely judge you. It would do the thing where if you had two or three really bad days in a row and it thought that it was self-inflicted or some way, it would pop up and tell you you should you should consider a lifestyle change. Yeah. And it's like, okay, thanks. Appreciate yeah. that wristband with no dials on it. It's uh, kind of cold. Yeah, 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 it is. So, yeah, you, you get you get a rating a score of like six and they're like, hey, you probably ought to evaluate something in your life right now, bud. Just, just telling you. So... The uh the most consequential thing going around right now, uh, I'm not even really calling it a rumor, a uh, situation potentially with Austin Thomas, the Ole Miss general manager, as uh, LSU, as you were on the board yesterday, appears to be courting him to uh, some degree. Nothing's finalized. It's a really hard podcast topic because it's sitting here at 820 and anything could change in 10 minutes. And, you know, a lot of times when we're doing it this way, we want to have conversations, but things aren't necessarily sourced all the way out to the nines. So wh where are you kind of sitting on this situation currently? I have no real sourcing on the Ole Miss end at all because it's kind of hard to get that sourcing here because Lane runs a really tight information program, if you will. And that's not a criticism of Lane at all. It's just the way he does things. Um on the LSU end, I've heard it go as far as it's done. Now, I, I'm not – again, let me – as you just said, I'll, I'll reiterate that. I, I don't – I can't sit here and tell you that it is or is not done or is or is not happening. I do feel quite confident that that's who Brian Kelly wants to hire based on what I've heard. Um, Very familiar with LSU. He has gained a lot of notoriety in potential – in transfer portal dealings and ways that he's able to manage the program. Frankly, it's a job that's – I think it's going to adapt a little bit, but that is a job that I think you start learning the names of those people at programs over the next five years in ways that you never would have before for what would be declared a sports staff. As we do move in toward of a capology – not really salary cap, but salary caps inside each collective and what they can spend or not spend and how to allocate those funds, the general manager position is going to become – very, very similar to pro GMs in a way, I think. I think you're about to see sort of an evolution on what that job is and then how important – Some I told you right before we started, I think that maybe even like a GM in, in the pros a little bit, I think they can be overvalued and undervalued at the same time, but I think they're about to, uh, about to move into a space that's much more primary than we've ever talked to them before, and I think maybe this is the start of that because I saw Shane and Terry do it the other day, people mentioning Thomas as – an, inter an integral part of uh, Ole Miss's success with portal and collectives and all those things. And I think that's probably coming to fruition in a place that, you know, again, he has a lot of history there with uh, with LSU, not necessarily with Brian Kelly, obviously, but with LSU. Yeah, he was there for a long time. Um, yes, there's a couple of things. The first thing that's obvious is, look, whenever you have success, people are going to study your success. That's just the way it is. I mean – Put the rivalry aside. I know this for fans. It's a difficult thing to do. But if you're any other program and you're looking at, at Ole Miss, and like, okay, how did they do this? How did they go from being where they were in the late 2010s where they were just this mediocre program to 29 wins in three years, third in the SEC, two Access bowl appearances, they won one. Uh, where they're, by all, any measure, at this point, this mark in time, they're a top 10 program. How'd they get there? Well, the answer is the portal. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. But that's, if you're saying, well, what's the one biggest thing? What's the portal? That's the one biggest thing. 
you get into other talk about Lane and, and his ability to call offense and all that stuff, but it's it's the portal. Well, how did they work the portal so well? And so you dive into that, and I think I think that's where Thomas is, is a pretty big part of that. Now, can you replace him? Sure, of course. There's there's other people that, that can work the portal that have connections with around the country and that kind of thing and and, and um all that, but you're right. There's going to be an, an emphasis on positions like his. I think his title is chief of staff. Okay. I don't really yeah, know sure what that means. It's just kind of right hand man with with Lane. And I think Lane would agree with this. He does a lot of the things that Lane just doesn't want to do or isn't good at. Things that just don't come naturally, like some of the soft skill stuff. He can go manage that. But I think in many ways, this is a mailbag question I get all the time, and I don't really know how to answer it, and maybe the answer just sort of came to mind. He's kind of, I would guess, Wayne and Walker might both push back on this. I don't know. He's kind of the liaison between Wayne and Walker, between the collective and the program, where you, like, to your point, and I'm just throwing numbers out for the sake of the numbers, you've got $10 million for your annual roster. Okay, well, that's a real number. And if you Shohei Otani a player, that takes away from what you can do other places. You can't just, it's not monopoly money. It's the one thing that I always tell people, people like, well, just pay it. Okay, well, if you don't have it, you can't yeah. like put the rest on the Discover card. You, you, you've got you to pay the player. Because if you make a promise and you don't fulfill the promise, you're, you're going to pay for that down the road in this era of social media and stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing that he's probably a guy who that position is probably a bit of a, Hey, this is a guy we want, you know, because you don't, the, the you don't, the coach doesn't want to be the one doing that, the negotiating on the dollar figure. Cause you need he, some separation. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's why I'm, in, in the NFL or whatnot, or the Major League Baseball or NBA, you have a general manager and you have a coach. And the coach, when the coach is asked, hey, what's going on with so-and-so's contract? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't live in that world. And that's by design. You don't want that to carry into the locker room and to carry into the, on the court or the field. I'm not the one that negotiates your contract value. I'm, I'm, I'm just the guy who coaches you. Mm-hmm. you. You can hate the big bad front office, but I'm, I work for them too. You know, so I think there's, I think there's some of that, but yeah, I, I do think that position's important in a lot of ways. I don't even know that we've gotten to a place where that position's totally defined yet, but it's going to be over the course of time if if things continue on this trajectory, as I think they will. Well, and you know, some of the interesting part of that is I, I think maybe the title that you just mentioned is the title that makes more sense. It might actually resemble a chief of staff position politically more than a GM or something from a sports standpoint, the, Hey, they're aware of everything and all the bodies and all the stuff, but then they also just do a lot of stuff that's there. Um, I think that's, that's probably a pretty apt thing. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, if you're like covering, a, if you're in covering state politics, for example, and you know, you're living in, I don't know, Nevada and probably the best source you could probably have is the governor's chief of staff. Yeah. 
because you're not going to get the governor on the phone all the time, but you might get the chief of staff on the phone a good bit. I don't know. Ole Miss has done really well with support staff spots. I mean, this is a critical one. Yeah, no, they, they have, and so, Bolden and that kind of th- th- those positions. We haven't talked about that, by the way, about Bolden being promoted. Have we? No, we have not. No, I said. That I mean, I like, well, maybe we did. No, 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 we haven't. It, it, like I said, it, it's to me. It's not about Kevin's ability. Kevin's completely capable of recruiting in all ways. I mean, he's going to be fine as a tight ends coach. It's none of that stuff. It's simply who are you replacing for a lot of the stuff off field for that position because he was so good at things he was doing in that previous spot. You I know, think if it, I was, showed, it, it shows you he's trying to keep him. What well, shows you, A, he's trying to keep him, and B, this was what it took to keep him, and C, how good of a recruiter he is on the road. Yeah. That's what it shows you. It shows you that this is a guy who's got a real bright side. I mean, hanging on to him long term is going to be challenging because he's legitimately fantastic as a recruiter. And now he's got the office skills on his resume. And now he gets an on-field spot where he gets to go out and recruit. And he's so good at that part of it. And I think it also shows you a change towards the NFL model. Like I've heard, I've heard specific names here. I'm not going to name them here because I'm, that would be crap journalism. But I, I think they're going to bring a coach back or a coach to Ole Miss, I should say, who can help him coach tight ends okay, and, and yet be support staff. It's it's where – got to forgive me. I've watched a lot of NBA the last two days um, just because it's on TV and I'm laying in a bed. Um. If you look at an NBA bench, you have a the back bench, and sure. it's it's easy to sort of forget those guys. If you ever talk to NBA people about an NBA practice, they'll tell you that the back bench guys do a lot more sometimes than the front first bench guys. And I, I think what you're seeing in college football is as staffs expand, the back bench guys play bigger, even bigger roles. So you have guys who can actually coach tight ends and break down film and all that stuff. And I'm using tight ends as an example because we're talking about Bolden, but it it lets you put him out on on the recruiting trail as a beast out there. Well, I mean, it's what the NCAA has done that really was a good was a good rule back when you know a couple of years ago, whenever it, that was put into effect, was you can have you know the unlimited coaches and you can you can be creative in ways that to do things like that. I mean, it was pretty damn regimented where that wasn't possible prior to that. And they've sort of, they've sort of cleaned that up in a good way and recognized the size of these staffs aren't changing. So you might as well give them autonomy to do whatever the hell they want with it. Cause they're just going to skate your rule anyway. So what difference does it make? Yeah. And they've, they've done that. Uh, come, this is Ross here and coming out this morning, Ross Dellinger, obviously our colleague at Yahoo. He, I was going to say, uh, you have so many friends named Ross that whenever you say Ross, I'm like, I oh, do. Yes. where are we going yeah. here? Yeah, I got a text from Ross this morning. No, uh, this is Ross Dellinger on uh, on the Twitter machine. He uh, he says that you're all aware of Charlie Baker's grand plan to separate Power 5 football or D1 football into uh, two different classifications, change the NIL structures and whatnot. I'm reading here. He says that it's meeting next Thursday. The D- Division One Board of Directors is scheduled to review the proposal and determine whether to charge the Division One council. You know, we got a lot of councils. 
with developing recommendations related to the frame of the proposal, a decision that will initiate a potentially year-long activation process and chart a course for one of the most radical changes in NCAA history, permitting schools to strike name, image, and likeness deals with athletes and offer them an unlimited amount of educationally-related benefits. I love that part. A third concept, perhaps viewed as the most radical, creates a new FBS subdivision requiring schools to deposit into a trust $30,000 per athlete for all of a school's athletes. Convention documents lay out a potential timeline for the activation process of Project D1, I guess that's what we're calling it, suggesting the three-part proposal be bifurcated. The initial focus would be on the first two concepts that schools uh, that permit schools to strike NIL deals with athletes and offer educational enhanced benefits to those athletes. The process around adopting the new subdivision would follow the adoption of the other two concepts. Basically, uh, the th that part about the NIL could be in place as early as August with the bowl subdivision part possibly being in place early 2025, at least as of this timeline. Again, they stress multiple times it is merely a suggestion. It could be altered. That is not saying that is the timeline, but the NCAA is working hard to put this into effect. And again, it, it's where is the money coming from? How are you doing it? Because it, it, as that says, it's not just the 30000 for half the athletes. It's also the school being allowed to do unlimited, basically unlimited, because forget the educational bullshit because it's bullshit. Uh, unlimited NIL with athletes on top of that as they see feet fit as a university. I mean, it's the craziest thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not fair for me to ask you to do this, but I'm almost, I'm almost wanting to go walk me through this. Like I'm five. I, I don't. So. And I'm not trying to be smart. I'm kind of confused. Yeah, sure. So the, the university can do an NIL deal with an athlete. But the, uh, athlete, the yes, athlete's is, not uh, a the athlete's not an employee, correct? In its meeting from the convention on Wednesday, um, blah blah blah, addresses NIL athlete protections, establish a volunteer registration process for NIL professional service providers such as agents and advertisers, make it mandatory for athletes to disclose to their schools NIL deals of six hundred dollars or more within thirty days of signing the agreement. Love that, by the way creating a uh, standardization or template for contracts, uh, developing a comprehensive blah, 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 sorry. Um, no, it's a very difficult assignment to, while you're doing a podcast to break this down and say, Here's yeah, no, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, well, cause I, I think I have the answer, but I've, I'm reading a couple of paragraphs just to 100% make sure. And essentially the answer is, uh, yeah, I mean the 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 answer is basically um that they have the ability, yes, to to enter into NIL agreements with the athletes themselves on their behalf or in general. Because it's one of the th ways that the Mississippi legislature changed those rules to benefit them. And Brian outlined at the Grove Collective story is that it doesn't require a quid pro quo. It requires the possibility of a quid pro quo. Those are two completely different things. You simply have the rights. You don't necessarily have to engage and use those rights in that way to receive payment. And that's a huge change from how this thing first started. So, yes, it, it gives a lot of flexibility from an NIL standpoint. But then in addition, 
it's that money that I said, that mu that much money in a trust to at least half of the athletes, and that is just a huge amount of money per school, especially a lot of these schools that have so many sports and different things that they simply wouldn't be able to afford it because they're already bankrupt as it is. That's what's interesting about this rule, is that if it, somebody thinks NCAA is not completely stupid, there's got to be at least one person. And the schools that they really promote and protect, say take Stanford, for example, or Cal or somebody like that, and I'm just naming schools that have tons of sports, Texas even to an extent, they're killing those schools because that's the one where they go, hold on a minute, the water polo team, the lacrosse team, like I, I yeah. got to give them 30 grand too? How am I doing that? Where is it coming from? What are you doing? So I, I guess that's what's fascinating, unless there's something I'm really missing here, is that I don't, you know, the SEC schools are actually at somewhat of an advantage because they get so much money coming in from broadcast rights and they don't have the number of overall athletes that a lot of other schools have. They don't play as many sports. It, it's almost a refusal on the NCAA's part to just go, okay. Football makes money. Men's basketball makes money. Less money, but makes money. At some places, baseball makes a modicum of money. Nothing else makes money. So if we're going to talk about revenue sharing, the sharing really should just be limited there. And the other people, we don't want to mess this up where we take away scholarship opportunities from young men and women. I, I don't know why. I really don't. I don't know why we can't just... And I realize people are out there going, Neil, are you paying attention to the world? It's a great point. You're right. I don't know why we can't just admit that everything's not the same. Everything's never been equal. And it's possible I that that first part, real quick, is nothing. I'm, I'm thinking through it as we talk. It's possible that that is nothing more than allowing all the collectives to come in-house and nothing else really changes. Where we go, hey, they are anyway, so just give them a freaking office at the end of the hall. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it, I, 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 yes, I do. And I, It could be very similar to how, you know, Learfield or IMG or whoever works inside from a broadcast radio standpoint. And I mean, yes, it's not, but it is. Come on. But the, that's one thing. And I'm, yeah, obviously, duh, just put them in, yeah. make them part of the deal. The other, the other part about, hey, to get into this higher level, you have to do this. I don't know. I, you know, I've been on the same page on this for a long time. I, I, I don't know why we can't say, hey, there's, you have, you have the haves. They can afford to do it. I just, I hate to see what happens across the country at the places like Arkansas State and Middle Tennessee and Missouri State, Louisiana Tech, when you put in rules that are ultimately going to take away opportunities. Just hate to see it, that's all. And I don't think sometimes some of the people who are all for this understand that because there are there are people that are so hung like you know what I'm saying, Chase? There's so many people that are hung up on the we, we must make this equal. Well, it's never going to be equal. So you're just going to have I don't know. You just got people just shutting down programs. And now those schools just simply wouldn't do it. They would be in this other classification, whatever this classification yeah. is. And and nobody's been very clear on 
I mean, now this is just a football thing, to the best of my knowledge. I think, except for that thirty thousand part, because you have to. Yeah, make- yeah. Sorry, I mean, if you don't join, what are you actually losing as far as what sports and yeah. what classifications? I think it's yeah. football. So if you're Louisiana Tech, you just opt out of that because you're never winning the Division One national championship anyway. That's not a realistic right. goal. But I mean, look, there's some. Not SEC. It does. I'll tell you this. It does tell you that, like the Florida states of the world, they go. We got to get out. This 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 doesn't work because it's a real number. Oh yeah, it's a it's monumental. I mean, it's at that point, it's it's money. They they just have to say, hey, this doesn't. This is no longer feasible. And forgive me for my brain just being scattered. It just kind of is. There's some other stuff going in front of the council as well. We can look at that next week. I'm not really concerned with it right now because I need to read it in a way that we're not talking while I'm trying to do it. But Ross, uh, the story there, Yahoo, if you would like to see it and uh, read it for yourself. But just, yeah, the the timeline was the main part of the news there on that is that kind of threw me off a little bit that they could have some of this in place in literally eight months. You know, it's it frustrates people because people look at this and like, what's the fix? Well, I mean, the quote fix is not going to happen, which is taking away the the transfer, going back to the old transfer rules. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody has a, nobody in a position of power has a taste for that. It's not going to happen. If anything, we're going to go further down that road. We're closer to allowing transfers in the same academic year or season Mm -hmm. than we are going back to the beginning. And I'm not, I'm not predicting that. I'm saying we're closer to that than the other way. Agreed. We're probably at a spot we're going to be for a while, but that spot we're going to be for a while is literally multi-year, multi-transfers just doing whatever the hell they want. If the it's way why I get Dart technically, and I'm using Dart as an example, and I get he's yeah. coming back, people calm the hell down. I, <laughs> I get he had to make the decision by the end of January 2nd, but now more than ever, if I was a kid who had already transferred, I would be at least somewhat confident that the NCAA is just never going to win a court case and I was going to be fine and they were going to find a way to extend that into August. I'll be real. Like, I kind of would have went, eh, all right, sure. Yeah. I'll wait it yeah. out for a couple months to see what happens. He's a great example. I mean, you know, before the court ruling, he didn't have any leverage. No, it was over. After the court ruling, he had all the leverage. Yeah, he had he had multiple schools give him very high price offers. Literally, he had every bit of the leverage. Yeah, and so if if I'm interpreting it correctly, taking away people's rights to go places where they could earn more money is violating antitrust rules. And so, if you're going to talk about court cases or or, or law and that type thing. Everything is well. I mean, it, it, it follows the same antitrust to... rules. I mean, you can. It's not automatically antitrust because otherwise, if it was, you would never have a non-compete in any industry ever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so again, it, it is, I'm, but I'm not, it isn't. I'm not smart enough to pretend to be an attorney on here. Um, yeah, but you know, I'm just like generally boiling it down like I'm five. That that's it's essentially. It's essentially what the court ruling said, and, and, and now the court ruling might end up being flawed, and maybe it gets overruled in a higher court or whatnot. But it's essentially what it said, which was 
No, if if you're limiting someone's income that they could otherwise make, that's, that's you're violating their rights. Yeah, you're violating their rights. And they can't make the same, they can't make money if they can't play. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. Give it a try because, look, my diet's not perfect. Not always getting all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals that I need every day. And AG1 can help in that. Makes me feel better like I'm doing something great for my body as well. Because it empowers the gut for whole body health. It's much more than just a greens power powder. It's all of your key health products in one Covering my nutritional basis for my day literally couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, drink it first thing in the morning, done. Right there, I break my uh, kind of my fast overnight with AG1. It's a great routine. It gets me on with my day. I also like that it costs less than three hours a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's an effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Give Athletic Greens. They're giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. Podcast brought to you in part by GNM Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs there in Holly Springs. GNM in Oxford, Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. They've got their uh, high-dose flu shots for patients over 65 years old. Or uh, anyone that needs that level of protection. Flu obviously going around big time right now. So you can uh, you can get that. You can also get the RSV vaccine they have in uh, stock as well at both locations. Holly Springs and Oxford. And they make it easy. They let you schedule your appointments for your vaccines. Come in. Get them. Be on your way. That's 662 to schedule. 662-236-2222 for GNM and Oxford. Or 662-252-2321 for Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got uh, 2024 football season tickets available now. That's for new and renew tickets. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and get on with it. The excitement is only going to increase prior to the 2024 season. Also, men's and women's basketball. They start conference play this week. You've got SEC mini plans and single game tickets still available. That is for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And then uh, we tell you about multiple campaigns going on right now. The Champions Now campaign. That's the big capital campaign from the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got Forever Ole Miss if you're looking at state state planning, Vault Society, Empower, a lot of different ways to uh, do philanthropic giving there with the foundation. Also a reminder, the men's and women's tennis teams have upcoming matches at home later this month. Tickets not required for that. And then obviously Morgan Wallen tickets still available. All those things, OleMissTicks.com. I've been telling you that Prime Shrimp has given away free, free shrimp for the entire year to one lucky rebel. Here's how to enter. You go to primeshrimp.com slash mpw. Place any order, any order at all. Use promo code JUICE. Take 20% off your order and be entered to win. You can place additional entries by posting your shrimp on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with hashtag primeshrimp. Hashtag mpw. Winners will be chosen on January 31st. So get that orders in. And then also the podcast brought to you by NE Spark. NE Spark is a service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig, it powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So, again, get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Switching over to uh, basketball for a few minutes, Ole Miss opening up uh, conference play on Saturday in Knoxville for that one, uh, the Rebels and the Volunteers. Ole Miss, obviously, 13-0. I think they're ranked 22nd in the country as of right now. In the uh, 22 in the AP, 19 okay. in the coaches. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I just saw the AP this morning. So, 22, 19, depending on the poll of your choice. And uh, Ken Palm has been a problem. Computers have been a problem. Won't be a problem on Saturday. Tennessee ranked mm-hmm. number six. And the uh, Ken Palm, the Vols had a really bad week in uh, late November against really good teams. Otherwise, they have a uh, pretty clean slate. They already got some big wins this season. They beat Wisconsin, beat Syracuse, they beat Illinois. They've got a win over the same NC State team that Ole Miss beat. An NC State team that, by the way, beat Notre Dame uh, last night. And Mm -hmm. then uh, three losses. Those coming to Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina. Those are not games that will hurt the Volunteers come uh, come March. It's going to be all right if you lose to Purdue. It's okay. Even a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where Tennessee is currently. They have those three losses. They um, have a 90% chance of winning on Saturday at Thompson Bowling Arena. According to uh, Ken Palm, as we've been saying, like this, this is not the one to great Ole Miss of. It, it is no. the ultimate of ultimate free shots to start your conference uh, play. Tennessee's likely the best team in the league, and you're playing them on the road. So just go see where you got to get to, and come home, and go beat the Gators. Yeah, you know it's funny about Rick Barnes' teams because they have a history of bowing out on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and so that's one discussion, right? The other discussion is. They always make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, they always have a pretty good seed. They're very rarely bubblish. They make the tournament. Things happen in the tournament for whatever reason. You can dive into what that means, but the fact that they struggle consistently making the second weekend doesn't mean that they're not a great program. They are a great regular season program. They're gritty as hell. Um, they're very fundamentally sound. They're one of the better defensive teams in the league year in, year out. They typically rebound really well, which is the thing that scares you from Ole Miss's standpoint on Saturdays, that Ole Miss has to really fight them on the boards. Um, they can play different paces, but they can get you they can get you into a slog, and that's not really what a lot of teams like to do these days. So they, they play. They're just – they're very, very good. I'm a, I'm a big Rick Barnes fan. Um I think Chris Beard is too. He meets with the media later today. I'll get that video to you. I'm not going because I don't want to make the rest of the beat writer sick. I don't want to make Chris sick. That would probably not be great 
for my reputation if I made the Ole Miss basketball team have the flu. Um, but I think he'll hear him with very legitimate, sincere appreciation for for uh, for Rick Barnes. I remember Chase in March. I was in Nashville for the NCAA tournament, and um, it was the day before Ole Miss played South Carolina. I think. Okay, I think that's right. You know who they played? I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Sounds right. Um, and I was like, well, obviously, I'm not writing about the South Carolina game. I mean, who cares? Um, for Ole Miss to have any to make any noise in that tournament, they were going to have to win five games in five days. And if you thought that was happening, I just good for you. No one, no, not a soul on earth did. So I didn't spend any time on that. Instead, I'm like, this beard thing's happening. And let me talk to people about Chris Beard. And um, so I did that thing that most reporters hate doing, and I hate doing it. But at least it was with someone older than me this time. You stalk. And I went to Tennessee's practice. They had a little shoot around there at Gaylord. And um, I stalked Rick Barnes. He did fine bomb. I waited down off the stage. And when he finished with Paul, walked up to his media guy. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to Coach Barnes for just a minute? He looked at me like, come on. And I was like, it's about, I know. Chris, it's about Chris Beard. I cover Ole Miss. It's about Chris Beard. And he kind of mentioned it to him, and and Rick says, "I got to get to the bus, but yeah, I'll talk to you. You'll walk with me." And he was fantastic, raved about Chris Beard. Uh, could not have been nicer to me. He didn't know me. I mean, probably seen me before, but he didn't know who I was. Just the bald dude. And we're we're walking, and and he was great. We got to the exit, and he stopped and kept talking to me for a few minutes, raving about what a great coach he is, um, how good he'll make the league. He's he's like I'm 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 biased, but I think this is the best league in the country. He's just going to make it better. I don't remember everything that he said, but it 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 helped make that story a pretty good one. And um, they they both have a lot of respect for one another. I mean, two guys that both were the head coach at the University of Texas at one point. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I I think for um, for Chris, this is probably a measuring stick game in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, anybody that – look, if Ole Miss goes and loses by 17, don't don't cut yourself. It's going to be okay. A lot of teams are going to go to Tennessee and get beat by 17. On the flip side, if it's a really close game and you don't get it done, it's not a sign that you're going to win 14 games. What Chris will probably see from this game is, hey, these are the things that we really got to get dialed in. But the good news is you're getting – see, Ole Miss goes to Rupp. You're getting one of your two hardest road trips. Yeah, one of your two hardest road trips out of the way. And you're going to get this film, and on Sunday morning, you're going to go, okay, well, these are the things that we we have to really fix moving forward. Ole Miss's big week is next week. Vanderbilt and Florida at home and get both those. You need to get both of those. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's their challenge is those two games. You come out of if, – if Ole Miss can come out of the first three, two and one. You're right. Great shape. Great shape yeah. in terms of making the tournament and all those things. And and I think the computer stuff is going to work itself out because you're going to start playing. I don't know if you have it in front of you. If not, I can pull it up. But I like, do. I, well, I have I have Ken Palm in front of me. I don't have net in front of me. It's close enough. Um, I don't think there's 
too many just dogs in, in the SEC from a computer standpoint. There's yeah. one dog. That's it. That's it. Who is it? Vanderbilt, 206. Yeah. LSU's 106. Make of that what you will. Everybody else is in the top 88. Yeah, so you have a, a lot of top 100 teams. And so as you play those games, um, and those teams play each other, right, you're, you're going to see numbers keep moving up. So, it, I mean, I, I think nine SEC wins puts you on the bubble. I think 10 SEC wins puts you on the good side of the bubble probably, and 11 SEC wins, you're in the tournament. Yeah, Tennessee 6, Florida 35, Vanderbilt 206, LSU 106, Auburn 10, Arkansas 58, A&M 23, State 30, South Carolina 60, Kentucky 17, Missouri 88, Alabama 7. That's it. Yeah, that's strong. Yeah. It's where it's where the league uh they've they've had some lo- a lot of losses in non-con but a lot of them haven't been bad losses, you know, like um, A&M has lost some games. Arkansas has lost some games. But they've played really good schedules, too, and they have some good wins. So that's going to end up helping you in terms the, of – You know, if they, if they're in this game in the last 10 minutes with a chance to win, the, uh, the thing that they have to do well, they've done well, and then the thing that they obviously have not, and that's what you alluded to a minute ago – it's very obvious when you look at the analytics on the left side of my screen right now from Ken Palm. Ole Miss uh, really protects the basketball. You absolutely have to protect the basketball there in Knoxville. They are fifth in the country in non-steal turnovers, basically meaning they don't do dumb things and just throw the ball away. They're fifth in the country at that, which is remarkable, frankly. Um, They're really that's... good at just it playing 30 seconds of defense and you don't get a shot off. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you just don't get a shot off. It's um, – you know, Bryant scored in the 70s, and they were still really good defensively. They ran that shot clock down. They don't give any easy buckets. They switch and move well. I mean, he's he, he's done a phenomenal job implementing that system. And then the, the, the scary one that you just mentioned, rebounding. Ole Miss uh, offensive, offensive rebounding 189th in the country, defensive rebounding 295th in the country. It's they just give up people. so many offensive boards. What's Tennessee in those numbers? Do you have them? Uh, yeah, sure. Tennessee in those numbers, rebounding. Uh, actually, they're not one of the better rebounding teams, at least statistically nationally, but they're good. They're 94th offensive, 103 defensive. Okay. Yeah. Tennessee's Achilles Hill at this point has just simply been uh, defensive shooting. They allow teams to uh, to do well with that. Uh, they are 279th and uh, – defense from the field right now, which is interesting. Good with steals, good with turnovers, good with all that kind of stuff. Uh, one of the best free throw teams in the country. They also really protect the basketball. That that statistic that Ole Miss was fifth in, Tennessee's 14th. They they really run the shot clock out too. Average, average possession length for their opponents so far, 335th in the country. Just wanted to kind of look at there. So even a little better than Ole Miss is to to date with that. Uh, wouldn't have thought this going in. I look at the slate for Saturday. Ole Miss Tennessee, the only ranked on ranked matchup, and uh, the best game of the day for the opening weekend of SEC play. You got Mississippi State at South Carolina, chance for the Bulldogs uh, to go get one on the road there, 
in uh, Columbia, even though South Carolina's obviously played much better than expected there. They in, really uh, have. Yeah. And uh, is that Lamont Paris? Isn't that right? Lamont Paris? Yeah, they were horrible last year. And they're yeah, they're significantly better than that this this time around. Number six, Kentucky is in Gainesville on a Saturday. That's a tough early schedule for um Golden there in Gainesville because they easily could be 0-2 when they leave Oxford on Wednesday, starting out in the league. Uh Georgia at Missouri is on Saturday. Game Missouri has to have, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Auburn at Arkansas is probably your most, maybe your most competitive game of the day if it's not Ole Miss Tennessee. That's number two. Yeah, that's your second. Auburn at Arkansas. That's your second best game. That's a that's a solid game. Arkansas's good at home, playing better here lately. They have some. They they. It's interesting with them because he's re, he being Eric Musselman is typically very good at putting a team together uh, with pieces from all over the place, and they've struggled a little bit with it this time around. Bruce has a really good team at Auburn. Um, this is yeah. If you're just sitting around on Saturday. Waiting for the Ole Miss game. This would be a pretty fun game to watch, I think. Alabama's at Vanderbilt on Saturday. That is uh, at 2.30. SEC Network. SEC Network, uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee at 5 o'clock. It's a 5 o'clock tip. And then LSU at Texas A&M is your 7.30 night cap. The uh, the two national games are Kentucky at Florida, 11.30 on ESPN. Uh, three national games. Kentucky, Florida, ESPN, 11.30. Auburn, Arkansas, ESPN two at one, and then State South Carolina is on CBS at eleven a.m. on Saturday. Oh God, yeah. I don't know what what caused that, but that's where it is. You know, you mentioned the SEC's reputation. I found this story from ESPN interesting. It said uh, the headline is a definitive ranking of all six major men's college basketball conferences. And put them in a row. And the SEC having the standing it has right now is beneficial in March. Uh, benefit of the doubt, it's still people in a room picking, and when you do that, biases and expectations and 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 perceptions all come into very much play when you do that. The Pac-12 is at number six. Obviously, it's a dead league. Whatever, that's what they have there. Uh, the ACC number five in their ranking of the top uh, the top six conferences there with the ACC. Joe Lenardi says ACC officials continue to reference a perception problem for conference long for a conference long considered the greatest in college basketball history. The data confirms what should be obvious: the ACC's problem is far more about performance than perception. And then goes into a lot of numbers to uh, talk about why that is the case. There in the ACC, they have the Big East at number four, they have the Big Ten at number three, and then they have the SEC at number two. Uh, I will read it here. Joe Lenardi says they are high, these are high times for us to see basketball where the depth of teams and quality of play on the men's side is just about caught up to its longtime dominance in women's hoops. All the conference had to do was invest in top coaches, schedule better, especially with the old SEC West schools, and, of course, win. It hasn't paid off within a national title since Anthony Davis led Kentucky all the way back in 2012, but the conference is knocking on the door, starts talking about Sweet 16 teams and all these different things, like record bid totals. They, he believes that is possible for the SEC this March to get a record bid total. And then uh, I don't know who Gazaway is, but another one of ESPN's analysts uh, mirrors those thoughts as well as it talks about even the style of play has become kind of synonymous and a worry for other teams around the country inside the league. Big 12, yeah. clearly at number one. They're a damn good league. Big 12's a stud league. Um, yeah. Yeah, Big 12 and SEC are the two leagues that consistently sort of play some NBA style. Mm -hmm. And I think that's showing up in recruiting. 
I really do. Man, you look at the SEC for a minute. And um, just look at the coaches in this league. That's the thing. I mean, people are going to... I'm excited for Ole Miss people. Honestly, I really am. This season coming up, I don't know what what's in store. This The league can be pretty humbling. Um, and I suspect there's some humility coming Ole Miss's way at some point during the season. But um, Ole Miss has been so bad the last three years that I don't know that anybody, and then the year before that was the COVID year, which was like, whatever. We were all in a dark place. So you've probably not paid a ton of attention if you're just primarily an Ole Miss fan and you don't, if, if it's not Ole Miss involved, you're not super engaged. Yeah. Um, which is probably a lot of our audience. If that's the case, you've sort of missed, and this is, I'm not talking down to anybody like you. I say, just calm down. I'm just being honest. You've probably missed what has been a bit of a renaissance. Um, the league's really good. It struck me last year at the tournament when Ole Miss beat South Carolina and they were playing Tennessee in the second round, how many just really good teams there were. And yeah, it's hard to win a national title. But you look around this league and you've got Chris Beard at Ole Miss. I think he's a top five national coach. He's one of the five best coaches in the country. Um, other people might push back and go, no, he's not. Okay, well, then he's top 10. Um, I'm a huge Bruce, Bruce Pearl fan. A lot of media don't like Bruce Pearl because of his political stances, and so they try to find ways to shoot him down. Bruce Pearl wins everywhere he ever goes. Um, Calipari is, again, we do the two things. Like, he doesn't win the national championship. Okay, but if that's the standard, most everybody's failing. Um, we talked about Rick Barnes. We talked about Eric Musselman. Nate um, Oates. Nate Oates. Buzz Williams is terrific. Buzz is terrific. Um, I'm a big Todd Golden fan at Florida. I watched them play last year in the tournament and just kind of watched him and his bench. And it was, you could tell the guy knows what the hell he's doing. Um, well, in pure and, math, one of those guys is like seventh in the league because yeah. they can't all be second. No, and I mean we're leaving people out. You or know, really, not all the new guys who at least have some exposure when they came into the league. I mean, the full list that we haven't mentioned yet: uh, Golden, Mike White, Matt McMahon at LSU, Chris Jans at Mississippi State, Dennis Gates at Missouri, Lamont Paris, as mentioned at South Carolina, and then Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. Yeah, you just don't get one of those jobs without some success somewhere else. And but man, just the depth of the depth of coaches in the league. And those their their teams are good. It's it's going to end up being. I, I, I'm excited for Ole Miss people because I think I think they're going to show up for that Florida game and the Vanderbilt game. And there's going to be some wins coming in the league. Wins have been hard to come by in the league for Ole Miss the past few years. And I think people are going to walk away when they get done with the emotional part of it. With man, this is fun because it 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 can be a lot of fun. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. it's you know yeah, football's king unquestionable no doubt and at places like Ole Miss baseball is a lot of fun but the the truth is February should be about basketball not baseball because yeah. it's cold I mean there's a decent chance that when you go to a game at Swayze in February that it's going to be like going to a high school soccer game where you're going to wonder is this the coldest place on earth yes and you know you have um 
you you have a, a beautiful arena and all that stuff. And if if you could ever get it going there, the way that they've gotten it going at Coleman and Tuscaloosa at, at Auburn in Fayetteville and at Kentucky, Tennessee, if you could ever get it to that place, it just it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a palate cleanser after football to get you into the spring and all that stuff. And and I think that's where Ole Miss is headed. I mean, again, I don't know what this season holds. Really don't. I mean, no, nobody does. I mean, they, they, I'm concerned about the rebounding from a winning games standpoint when possessions are going to matter so much where you're playing a lot of single-digit games. I worry about some offensive boards getting them beat. But um, they're going to be really competitive. They're going to play really hard. They're going to be super prepared. And, and I, I think it's going to end up being a lot of fun. And, I mean, it's really, really early. They haven't played conference games yet, but as we talked about the other day, the the attendance for this December games have been unlike anything that I have seen in a really long time here. I couldn't believe what I saw on TV on the Bryant game. Yeah, it it if, if you it wasn't said, as large as Troy on the 19th, but it was it was large. And now that you throw in the flu thing, that I know there mm-hmm. were a lot of people who came back and came back feeling crummy. Yeah. I'm I'm even more surprised. It would never happen without this type of renaissance, as you called it, going on. Because, I mean, yeah, I went to the game and I was talking to people and they said, hey, I just got back two hours ago and we're here. And it's like, damn, like drove back from Atlanta, basically threw your suitcases off and came to a game against Bryant on New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve. Yeah, not Kentucky. You got to be pretty juiced about the program to show up for that game. Because you just don't want to miss one at this point. I I do think programs feed off one another. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think because you're winning in football means you're winning in basketball. Duh. I mean, yeah. players. But I do think from a fan base standpoint, I do think there is some synergy that that happens. Yeah. But what he's done is just marketing, but he's followed through and and people feel optimistic. They feel excited, and then they've, you know, they won those crazy games early that could have easily gone the other way. You know, ball in the air. If it falls, you lose. And they didn't. You know, they they won those games. So, I don't know. It's exciting. I mean, can they get to nine, ten SEC wins? I think so. I really do. I think they can get there. Um, so, that's that's. The good part is, like, I, I think back to last season, and I'm not piling on Kermit here. I'm really not. I like Kermit Davis. It's just, like, by this time last year, I couldn't remember. I told you this. Like, you and I would have these conversations, like, what the hell are we talking about? And I'm like, you'd be like, well, you know, there's basketball. I'm like, man, we just can't do it. I mean, they're, they're, what, are we, what are we saying? They're not. They're so bad already. They'd lost to North Alabama and stuff like that. I'm like, they're not going to win the SEC. If they don't win the SEC, they're not getting in. And it's like, there's no reason to think this team's going to win. This team can't win 10 SEC games. And so it was just depressing. And so from a coverage standpoint, God, it's it's a lot more, it's not a lot more fun. There's just more to talk about as they get started. Like Ken Palm's about right. Ole Miss has about a 10% chance of winning on, on Saturday. That's probably about right. But Saturday won't just be about WNL. It'll be about how you look, how you play, how you handle that environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I anticipate that Ole Miss will play well and handle the environment well. I, you I don't know, think. I, go ahead. 
somebody on the message board said this, and I just want to, I'm, I would give credit if I knew exactly who did it. It's not my fault, but I did think about it once they said it and, and, and look at it. I wonder if Beard was already aware of the metrics a little bit the other day because he never pulled starters late against Bryant. He thought, hey, he wants this thing at 15, 16 game control, not nine or like wherever that margin is there. I mean, he he didn't do the whole clear of the bench. I mean, he made sure because it's something Ole Miss has really struggled at. Even in some of the games that they've blown out and they've never been in doubt, they've sort of let the opponent come back in and make it a nine-point game, 11-point game, and they haven't won it by 20. I mean, it happened in San Antonio against against Cal. That game was a 24-point game for a good bit of the second yeah. half. And it looked like, nah, he was going to shut that down and try to keep that margin up pretty good right there. I just found that somewhat different for him. I'm getting to know him, obviously. I have a feeling he hates this part of it. He yeah. does not strike me as the type of guy that wants to embarrass someone. He has too much respect for the game, for coaches, history, all that stuff. But the analytics are what the analytics are, and they have the feel when you watch them of a bubbly team. Mm-hmm. And every little bit might matter. Yeah. So he's just sort of... Now, here's the here's the good news. I don't think if it comes down to it, the committee is going to go, well, you know, back in November and December, they sure did play a lot of close games against teams in the 200s. Yeah. No, not, had they lost to one of them? Sure. They didn't. They won. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to come down to league play, don't have that stinker of a loss. Like, don't lose to Vanderbilt. Don't have that bad loss that just sticks out. But at the end of the day, I, it always kind of comes down to this. Can you win nine, ten league games? Maybe win a game in Nashville? Get into the tournament? And, and I mean, God, man. I mean, if you had told me this time last year, hey, Ole Miss is an NCAA tournament team next season, I would have said, you are insane. I really would have even and you could have come back and gone, Neil, but the portal. And I would have said, Chase, you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, if you had told me this time last year that this time this year we would even be talking about the tournament, I wouldn't have believed you. I really wouldn't have. I, I yeah, thought, hey, Neil, you're gonna be driving back from Atlanta after an access bowl. Okay. Lane's gonna win. You're okay, sure. Yeah, I'll buy that. Sounds good. And I go, yeah, hey, but I when we're having it. the conversation, we're gonna go best case for Ole Miss basketball for the SEC schedule. And you're going to come up with like 13 wins, cool? Yeah, I would have said no chance, no chance. And I do think, I do think best case for them is about 13 wins. Now, do I think they're going to achieve best case? Best case, yeah. I don't, I don't at all. Um, But I think the good news is worst case is like seven wins. And so, if you meet in the middle of that, which is what I typically do, and I'm pretty good at it, it's not complicated science here, but that puts you at 10, and 10 wins, you're in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They'd be twenty three and eight going to Nashville. Yeah, they're in. Now you're just talking about numbers, and this year, who cares? Yeah, I mean, what a cool story it would be for guys like Matthew Morrell to stick it out and to end up in a tournament. I mean, I just, it's it's just, I, it frankly is a, and it might be reflective on me doing a crummy job covering that team last year. I tried, but man, it was hard. Um, I don't think people understand what a what a rebound that would be. Just wow. I mean, there have been games in the preseason where the atmosphere has been better than SEC games last year. Yeah. 
That's why I said that Troy December 19th crowd would have put several SEC crowds to shame last year. Yeah, and students were gone. Uh-huh. They'd gone home. It was, it was, un, it was unreal. Last, uh, there, there were years where the highlight was the, the, the Christmas vacation stuff. And this time it was kind of an afterthought. The highlight was actually the basketball. It was just really remarkable. It just shows you, I mean, again, I give credit. I give the credit to Keith. There were a lot of people out there that were like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do it. And he's like, well, I'm going to dive into it and make sure that I can't do it. And he dove into it and said, I can do it. Not only that, I'm going to do it. And to walk out of that deal with one of the top five to ten coaches in the game, mm-hmm. man, I mean, that's somebody who understands the gig. Yeah. Because there are a lot you, of people. There are a lot of people that would have would have said, ah, you know what? I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to take this criticism on, even if I think it's un- ill-founded. I'm just not going to do it. He did it. I mean, I give I give him a ton of credit. And people, I mean, I know Keith, but it's not like we're best buddies. We don't hang out together. It's not like Chase and Ross when they were in the bourbon club together. Yeah. Sniffing. But I mean, I'm, I'm, so I'm not really kissing up at all. And just credit where it's due. Was there, it 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 just took someone going, hey, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to worry about what everybody thinks. I'm going to do the best thing for the program, and the best thing for the program is I have an opportunity to hire a top five to ten coach. I'm going to do it. We're going to deal with one little quick thing. In today's world, everything moves fast. Does it be all right? We're just going to coach basketball and win basketball games. Cool. All right. Yeah. I mean, Sounds not, to get, not to get political. I swear I won't. But look at like news coverage. Yeah, we don't stay there's on topics. That, so there's stuff that in a previous era would have occupied years, and now it's just boom, off off the radar. I mean, yeah, they would they get like two bad columns. Yeah, that was literally it. I mean, frankly, were, he's respected in the college basketball world, where a lot of people that might not even that might even do it didn't do it. Mm-hmm. That went nah, okay. I mean, I could foresee. There's literally like one maybe two writers nationally that if they let's say they went 12 and 6 in the league and they got to Nashville locked up they're just playing a game in Nashville on Thursday or Friday I could see one or two writers writing the yeah but he's a whatever column that's it yeah most people would be writing the renaissance column and at the NCAA tournament, you're not even a little worried about that because that is a PR positive heaven oh, yeah. for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean. Yeah, this year's version of Bill Rafferty is not going, hey, let me tell you about Chris Beard. No, 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 no. The hell with that. Oh, no. It would be about the job that he's done and getting to the yeah. tournament. I mean, it would just be such hey, a. Hey, at Texas Tech, you went to the Elite Eight. Can you do that at Ole Miss? Blah, 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 blah. That kind of stuff. Or yeah. national championship game, whatever. And the and the answer is yes. Yeah. It's the irony of it is that with the current rules, the way they are set up, frankly, it would be easier to win big in college basketball maybe than it will be to win in college baseball. Right. You know what I mean? Just a little bit. Yeah, no, I get that. Last thing, were you a uh, 
we might have been right in the middle probably from our ages for to to maximize this. Did you ever play Tex Tetris when you were going through high school oh, video yeah. games? Oh yeah. Did you uh see yesterday? You probably didn't. You've been a little occupied that uh for the first time ever, thirty four years after it came out, somebody beat the uh the game completely. It's really? taken thirty four years for that to be the case. I did not see that. 13-year-old Willis Gibson, better known on YouTube as Blue Scooty, or Scuddy, I don't know, may have lost the feeling in his digits, but he did it achieving a rare accomplishment. He's believed to be the first person ever to have beaten Tetris. In a video the competitive Tetris player posted, he stacked shapes until he reached level 157, which caused the game to freeze because he had reached the highest level allowed by its coding. For years, level 29 was thought to be the upper limit where blocks start falling so rapidly it's impossible to keep up. But even before Gibson's big victory, gamers' lightning quick thumbs had already proved that wrong. How about that? He's probably making a ton of money off that too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I went down a little bit of a because I'm I'm not a video game guy at all. Like I don't play, I don't care. It does nothing for me and really hasn't since I was probably a kid. I didn't even do it in college. But I find some of the old games and the tricks and some of the mythology around it really interesting. I, I can absolutely get deep dive into Nintendo stuff as far as how it came about. And I watched a video this morning, kind of doing podcast prep, because I knew I wanted to mention this Tetris thing, is for years it was because the system being as outdated and as old and the way the coding and the technology worked, when your fingers did what it needed to do for the blocks to fall where they need to fall they were coming faster than the processor would literally allow your fingers to send it to the computer to do it and that's why level 29 seemed to be impossible people started realizing there were different ways to hold the controller and manipulate the controls so you can't play it traditionally you have to like hold it with weird fingers and the way you do it and like I think that they called it like hyper tapping and then rolling the digits and all this stuff. So they figured out ways to make the processor fire and be quicker by the way your fingers manipulate it than we would have done just playing the game back in the nineties or whenever it came out in 1989. Um, so it took that to realize you could get past these next levels. But yeah, I watched the video this morning. It only took him about 40 minutes to beat the entire game. And he, uh, He's just playing and playing and playing, and he knows it's coming. So he's going, "Hey, freeze! I'm I'm getting I'm in trouble here. Like this is starting to get too much for even for me." And all of a sudden, it just clicks and it starts making this buzzing sound, and the screen just stops. And it completely ran out of coding. It went all the way to the end, and that was it. So that's wild. Yeah. So anyway, there's your uh, your news and notes for the uh, day. We will uh, be back. We'll be back Monday. We're not, there's no hand rate guys tonight. We're not doing a show tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. We'll talk about Ole Miss and Tennessee the first weekend of SEC basketball and then whatever's going on the football side. Again, there'll be something football probably every day. I'll make sure I have Ross Dellinger's story a little more analyzed by Monday. We'll talk about that on the podcast then as well. Neil should be all healed up by, uh, by Monday. So we will, uh, time to do something else. Yep. There you go. So we'll, oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. We'll have that for you there on Monday. So take care, have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. 
Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.